Belarusian news. Cyprian tourism returns and NHS workers pay. This is your TLDR News daily briefing for Friday the 5th of March. For the first story today, we turn to Belarus to discuss more of the fallout from last year's presidential election. For those of you who have been following the daily briefing for a while now, you might remember that last year we covered quite a lot about the Belarusian election. For those of you who haven't been around for quite as long, here's a quick summary. President Lukashenko has been at the helm of Belarus since 1994, around the time a new constitution was adopted. However, many of the elections that have been held since then have been seen as corrupt by international organisations. The Organisation for Security and Cooperation in Europe have claimed that due to arbitrary detention of opposition candidates, elections simply aren't fair. This bubbled up again last year following yet another corrupt election. Svetlana Tekhinovskaya opposed President Lukashenko after her husband, the former opposition leader, was arrested. The night before the election, two of her senior staffers were also arrested, and she was then threatened with having her children taken away from her and put in a state-run orphanage. As a result, she was forced to send her children to live with their grandmother abroad. Regardless, many insist that she was the true winner of the 2020 presidential election, and that President Lukashenko's victory only happened as a result of mass electoral fraud. The reason this story has cropped up again today is because Belarusian authorities have sent a request to the General Prosecutor's Office of the Republic of Lithuania, where Svetlana is currently residing, with Belarus hoping that she'll be extradited for criminal prosecution for crimes against the government, public safety and the state. Given that Lithuania opened its borders to the Belarusian protesters on humanitarian grounds, and given that the president of Lithuania has said that we cannot call Mr Lukashenko legitimate because there were no free democratic elections in Belarus, it seems unlikely that they'll adhere to the request. Regardless, we'll be sure to update you as this continues to play out. For the second story today, we move back to the UK, or potentially to Cyprus, depending on how you interpret the story. Anyway, much of the news these days is about when we'll be able to do things normally, with the pandemic seemingly calming down slightly. This conversation really got going in the UK when Johnson announced his roadmap out of Covid a couple weeks back. That plan is reliant on the suppression of the virus and a successful vaccination drive, but people still seem excited about the prospect of returning to normal. The relaxation that the news appears to be focused on today though is that of foreign holidays. According to the Prime Minister's roadmap, Britons will be able to get a tan abroad from the middle of May. Cyprus, though, doesn't appear to have got this memo, with them announcing today that Britons who have received both doses of the vaccine will be allowed to visit the country from the 1st of May. The issue is that as it stands, UK law will not permit this for another two weeks until the formal border relaxation. Additionally, the UK government hasn't decided how vaccination passports will work, or if they're even going to introduce them. The UK government could theoretically backtrack on its mid-May holiday date and swiftly decide on a vaccination passport scheme, although this certainly would look like a U-turn following the Prime Minister's insistence that the dates in the roadmap were simply the earliest possible relaxation dates. Aside from this, it's hard to see how tourists would visit Cyprus without breaking the law, at least for the first two weeks after Cyprus opens its borders. Ultimately, we'll have to see if the government is able to stick to its mid-May plans, if they get delayed and if they even issue the vaccine passports required for Britons to be allowed entry. 
Next up, we'll discuss the controversy surrounding the increase in pay for NHS workers. The Royal College of Nursing has pushed for a pay increase of 12.5% for NHS staff, calculated to rectify the pay freeze of the last few years, which allowed NHS workers' wages to drop in real term. The government has agreed to increase pay, but only by 1%. The RCN has claimed that an experienced nurse would take home an extra £3.50 a week on the back of this pay increase. There's also the debate as to whether this pay increase is even above the rate of inflation. It does depend on which measure of inflation you use, but if the pay increase is below the rate of inflation, it can be argued that it is in fact not even a pay rise at all. Instead, in real terms, it would actually be considered a pay cut. As we said though, it depends on which measure of inflation you use, but a 1% rise isn't likely to cut the mustard. In response to this criticism, Health Minister Nadine Dorries has stated that the pay increase is the most we can afford, although she did admit that everyone in an ideal world would love to see nurses paid far more. What do you think though? Should NHS workers be paid more, or can we simply just not afford it? Let us know your thoughts in the comments below. One final note to end the week with. A couple of times this week we've discussed the financial situation surrounding the daily briefing, and how despite us believing in the series, it's not even close to profitable. It's been so encouraging to see the response from you guys, and seeing that you clearly like the briefing. So let me make this commitment to you. We'll keep the briefing running for at least two more months until May, and we'll update you before making any major changes. Lots of you commented wanting to know how you can help us out, so let me tell you. Firstly, and most importantly, you can share the briefing. Essentially, for the briefing to be viable, we need to reach more people. So if you know someone who'd like the briefing, then tell them about it. If you've got a few Instagram or Twitter followers, then share it with them too. Secondly, and only if you feel like you're able to, you can also support us financially. One great way of doing this is paying £4 a month for the morning briefing, our completely exclusive daily summary of the news sent out each morning. I personally make that newsletter, scouring the web for the most interesting stories and sharing them with you alongside my own custom summaries. All of the money from the morning briefing is pulled with the daily briefing, so if you support that, you're supporting this project too. Alternatively, you can always sign up for the TLDR Patreon or donate through PayPal. If you don't want to do any of those things, then no worries. At the end of the day, this is capitalism. And if it's no longer viable, then we'll just have to move on from the daily briefing. But we're giving it at least two more months. Anyway, we'll be back on Monday, so be sure to check us out again then. You can read the newsletter by signing up at tldrnews.co.uk forward slash daily. Listen to the briefing by searching for TLDR News in your podcast app, or watch the briefing over at youtube.com forward slash TLDR daily.